Hey, guess what? I'm back again. This is super unprecedented, but I felt like, you know, I like to be thorough about things. I didn't want to revisit this again because there's so much stuff I want to get to. But I feel like this this article really surmises everything we were just trying to discuss. And so I'm going to read through this article because it, it lists a bunch of details and really sort of structures everything uh, in the right kind of way. This is by uh, Allison Bischoff, and she is she works for the Daily Mail. And I, I you know, I was talking about the how much I like the Guardian. I like the Daily Mail even more. Stop seeing this ad. Leave. Oh my God, I just don't want not interested in this ad. Okay, thanks. You're like blocking the whole freaking thing. Thank you. Oh, so annoying. Um, and yet here it is. Okay, great. Go away. I, I'm just a big fan. Oh, it's just going to keep doing that because screw us, right? Uh, I'm just a big fan of of the Daily Mail as well because I like the way that they put, they they surmise, they 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 boil down a subject so well. So here we are again. So sorry about this. Here it is. Ready? This is this is this is like the meat of everything. Um, Allison writes: This is the story of a feud, both rotten and vicious, a falling out which has reached the high court. At stake is, and this is where I got the $5 million, $5 million. It's not even $5 million. And it's per person. This is per person. I was wrong. How about that? They're going to pay over 20 million pounds. At stake is a payday of as much as 5 million pounds per person, a mouthwatering sum for former punk icons, the Sex Pistols, who have long complained that they barely made a quid for the music which shook the world 44 years ago. We talked about in the previous broadcast why that was because of Malcolm McLaren stealing everything. Anyone who knows the men involved is not in the slightest bit surprised about the feud. It follows decades of slights, barbs, and chilly, year, chilly years-long silences. She is, she is a phenomenal writer, and she really just sort of gets to the point and, and breaks things down the way things need to be broken down. I really like Allison's writing. The current crisis, which by common agreement marks the very end for the pistols, they're never going to reunite after this. I mean, it'll, it'll be, probably would take a, a, a hell of a lot more money to make that happen. I mean, look, five million pounds per person, and they're, they're not going to work together over this. At least John, Johnny Rotten's not going to work together over this. The current crisis which by common agreement marks the very end for the pistols has been provoked by the question of whether their music should be licensed for use in the forthcoming big budget TV series about the band called Pistol. John Lydon, known by his stage name, Johnny Rotten, says that it should not be used. He regards the idea as the most disrespectful shit I've ever had to endure. Former bandmates, drummer Paul Cook and guitarist Steve Jones insist that it should. But something that we didn't really get to in the last stream, it's per perfectly broken down right here. Um, ah, lost it, lost it, lost it. Um, the spat has now ended up in court as they sue him for damages and costs to use the songs. That's them on their reunion tour. The row, meaning the fight, kicked off in March as Disney, as the Disney TV series started filming. Could you imagine? We live in a world where Disney is making a series 
for their streaming channel about the Sex Pistols. Um, that's kind of crazy. It's uh, The Row kicked off in March as the Disney TV series started filming, directed by Danny Boyle. It stars Macy Williams, Thomas Brody Sangster, Anson Boone, and Iris Law. Shooting is now nearing completion. This week, sources close to the rest of the band claim that Leiden has not said what his specific objections are. And again, she just boils it down so perfectly right here. His lawyer has argued that the drama portrays him in a hostile and unflattering light. And Leiden said in court, I care very much about this band and its reputation and its quality control. And I will always have a say if I think anything is being done to harm and damage it. But Jones denies the portrayal of Leiden is unflattering. But Jones denies the portrayal of Leiden is unflattering. His side's suspicion is that Leiden is only enraged because the series is based on a memoir written by the guitarist and that he is not, therefore, is not a central character in the drama, which is true. In Steve Jones's book, Johnny Rotten is mentioned a, a handful of times, but the book is really about Steve Jones. And so, therefore, that's what this is all about. That's why he's trying to hold whatever leverage he thinks he has. And that comes down to him having a say in the licensing of the music. But it's really not about that. It's really not about anything. That's why he's saying it's the most disrespectful shit ever, because he doesn't like the way that he's portrayed in the biography. And therefore, he doesn't want the thing getting made because it's not the Johnny Rotten show, except Allison says it a lot better than I ever could. Um, John says it's all terrible, but he hasn't actually engaged with any of them about what is wrong with it, says a source. The point is that the show is not about him and he likes to feel like he is at the center of everything. That is probably what it all boils down to. I nailed it on the head, nailed it on the head. They're not using his biography. They're using Steve Jones. He may also feel insecure because the musical stars of the pistols were very much Jones and cook who, by the way, something we didn't mention in the previous, in the broadcast, we just did the previous one. Um, you know what's interesting that, that seems to be as much of an influence as anything else for the Sex Pistols is the faces with Rod Stewart. And Jones admits to as much in that some of their some of their musical DNA is very much comes from the faces, which I found thought fascinating as well. Um so John wrote the lyrics and has always had credit for that but he doesn't care to be reminded about the musical part of it, I'm told. Former punk Jordan Mooney, that's who Chris was talking about, Jordan, who was amused to the Sex Pistols in the 1970s and knows all of them, is unsurprised about the standoff. John argues for the sake of arguing, oh, right, she's in the book. She's in the book. She also worked in the shop with Malcolm McLaren. Yes, okay, I know exactly who she is now, wow. I feel stupid because I know who she is. Uh, John argues for the sake of arguing, which is what I said in the previous broadcast as well. He is a difficult person, and I can't say that part of him has changed at all. As he's gotten older, he's only gotten more difficult. He's contrary. Spot on. The truth is that Leiden has never been friends with the rest of the band. 
Jones, Cook, and Glenn Matlock, although, as I said previously, Jones and Cook also had problems with Glenn Matlock, but not to the extent that John Lydon did. In fact, seldom has any group of musicians been riven by such mutual loathing. I would argue Johnny and Joey Ramone to be uh, definitely uh, a measure, uh, sorry, not a measure, a, uh, uh, an exception, a proven exception to that rule. Um, although I don't know if it's a rule. I don't know why I just said that just now. Uh, what many don't know is that Leiden was never the kingpin of the band in the first place. He was hired in 1975 as the front man some months after Pistols manager Malcolm McLaren had assembled the group led by lifelong best friends Cook and Jones, the nucleus of the Sex Pistols. Hello. Age 19, he auditioned for the job by singing along to Alice Cooper on the jukebox. Um, he, it was to the song uh, I'm Only 18. Uh, in McLaren's iconic shop called Sex on the King's Road. Um, the shop was the epicenter of the punk revolution and the hub from which McLaren wanted to make cash from chaos and to reflect what he called the blank generation. He didn't call it the blank generation. Richard Hell called it the blank generation. See, everything that McLaren does comes from New York. The whole, the safety pins and the t-shirt, the ripped shirt, all that stuff comes from Richard L. All that stuff came from, you know, the New York City scene, man. It all got transposed. And then just in the way that the blues came to England, then England brought the blues back. The, the England brought the blue, the, the punk to America after punk had gone over to England. That kind of thing, I think. Um. The blank generation, victims of soaring unemployment with nothing to hope for, the no future thing. He hired Matlock, a Saturday, uh, a Saturday boy in the shop, as the bassist in the band. Matlock quickly fell out with Leiden, right? Uh, a laid-back grammar school boy and graduate of St. Martin's School of Art, he could not have been more different from the son of a lorry driver who lived in a squat, had been bullied at school, survived spinal meningitis, and had been left with a hunch and rotten teeth. Matlock was also the most musical out of the four and has been cited as really, you know, they're talking about the musical stars of the Sex Pistols being Cook and Jones. But I mean, you can't, I mean, Matlock is the guy who wrote the songs mostly, you know. Um, you just had to put up with a constant tirade of bullshit from John, Matlock said. Total lies and denial. He said something and two minutes later, he'd completely deny he ever said it. See, th these are all because I'm not super well versed on the Sex Pistols. This is all the, the 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 dynamics, relationship dynamics that I wasn't exactly on the up and up about. McLaren reportedly ramped up the tension between the two, and by 1977, he had let Matlock go, but not before the basses had contributed to 10 out of the 12 songs on the Pistols' iconic album, Nevermind the Bullocks, which came out after his departure. So even though Matlock doesn't play on the album, all of that songwriting is his. Uh, the thinking was that Matlock had just been too posh for the group and McLaren's solution came in the form of his less than sophisticated replacement, Leiden's old friend, the entirely unmusical heroin addict, Sid Vicious, who had been close who he had been close to since his teens. But there was another reason for bringing Sid into the group. He wanted, he saw what happened on Grundy and McLaren realized that they needed a guy like Sid Vicious in the group so that they could continue to captivate the media and headlines with more outrageous stunts. That's what it was all about. And that's why 
you know, the Sex Pistols really stopped being a band in 1977. They weren't really a band. They were a project. They were an art project. They really were the Backstreet Boy band that, you know, everybody thinks that they are. But prior to that, when Glenn Matlock was in the band, that band was a was a formed, like, working, functional band that wrote all the music for Nevermind the Bullocks. So there you go. Um, perhaps it was McLaren's attempt to keep the peace by balancing the Sex Pistols' warring factions, making it a two versus two contest because John Lydon and, and Sid Vicious had been friends. But, you know, Jones, Jones gives John Rotten that motivation, not Malcolm McLaren. Whatever the case, it was less than successful and the Pistols fell apart after a gig at the Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco on January 14th, 1978. So in, in nine months from having Sid Vicious in the band, the band melted down. They just could not function. After performing the last song, Lydon sneered at the audience, ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Good night, which is a very iconic sort of quote from their last concert. Their contribution to pop culture and explosion of hatred, disgust, and self-loathing so powerful that it changed the face of music forever was over. I don't know if they changed the face of music forever. I mean, they really, they give the Sex Pistols so much more credit than maybe they deserve. Maybe not at the time, because any old punker will tell you any old punk rocker will tell you that the Sex Pistols were an incredibly important and influential band. But when you look at them from a historical perspective with everything that came after and you're looking back um, omnipotently from like a historical perspective, it doesn't feel so much that way, I think. You, that's why a band like Iggy Pop, Iggy and the Stooges, that's why Iggy and the Stooges, finally, they started to get the credit they deserved when people started to look back at things from a historical perspective. You know what I mean? Um, the feud between them, however, endured. Leiden later explained that he felt the enterprise had become a farce. He said, I wasn't going on with it any longer. Sid was completely out of his brains, just a waste of space. The whole thing was a joke at that point. Malcolm wouldn't speak to me. He would not discuss anything with me but he would turn around and tell Paul and Steve that the tension was all my fault because I wouldn't agree to anything. Meanwhile, Jones said, We just was all drifting in different directions. We wasn't a band like a unit. It was all over the place. And America just made it worse because we weren't using this big country and all that. We weren't used to this big country and all that attention. But of course they were used to all the attention. There was crazy attention. They were touring through the South because it was very hard for the Pistols to even play shows. I mean, they had really developed a nasty reputation for themselves and they were playing like all these cowboy bars, you know, through the South of, of, of America uh, that culminated in San Francisco, the final show in San Francisco. Drugs played their part in the calamity. Vicious died of a heroin overdose in February 1979 while on bail for stabbing and killing Nancy Spungen. Although um, supposedly it's, it was a guy by the name of Rockets Red Glare. Yes, that's right. The name was Rockets Red Glare who actually killed Nancy Spungen. Jones too fell into heroin addiction, observing later the Sex Pistols were born to crash and burn. And that's exactly what we did. Um, but Jones wasn't 
I don't think Jones was into heroin at the same time that Sid Vicious was. It, that came a little bit later. Afterwards, both Leiden and Matlock tried to furthering their careers. Leiden uh, moved to Marina Del Rey near Los Angeles with wife Nora, who now has Alzheimer's and for whom he is a full-time carer and formed his next band, Public Image Limited, P-I-L. Uh, and there are, they have, they, that is their own, you know, that band is big in their own right. You know what I mean? Like they're, they are well-known public image limited has its own reputation following completely separate from the sex pistols. And I would even say maybe that sex pistols fans wouldn't be into public image limited and vice versa because public image limited is very like sort of pop, uh, post-punk, post-punk and not punk or whatever you, you would call it. Um, Jones, meanwhile, moved to Benedict Canyon in LA and after coming through the drug addiction, worked as a, a spin class instructor and radio DJ. Funny, he doesn't mention that he was a, he talks about being obsessed with spin class to the point where he like really hurt his back, but he never mentioned that he was an instructor. Uh, and we know that he was a radio DJ with Jones's jukebox. There were two disastrous reunions, but there were more than two. I believe there were three. Um, in 1996, they reunited for their filthy lucre, lucre tour, uh, netting a reported $1 million each for six months on the road around the world. They flew first class. By the end of it, they loathed each other once again. So that's crazy. So in 1996, they each made $1 million a piece for six months on the road. And now here they are licensing their music for five, not sorry, one million pounds. Now they're 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 licensing their music without even touring for five million pounds. It's five times the payday without even going on the road. I mean, that's crazy. 24 years later, 25 years later. Isn't that crazy? Uh, there was an attempt to write new music for a possible possible pistols album in 2003. You know, Jones, Steve Jones doesn't mention that much either in his book which Jones called the worst thing we could have done. Uh, it followed a tour of Europe in 2008. So they did, re okay, so I was wrong. There were two tours, but they did do a couple of dates in 2003 and 2004, I believe. Um, it followed a tour of Europe in 2008, which persuaded all concerned that the end of the line had indeed been reached. Jones said, the last time I spoke to him, Leiden, was 2008, when we did a tour of Europe, I have no desire to speak to him and he has no desire to speak to me. That's totally fine. I wish him all the best. I've got no resentment towards him. It's just our marriage went wrong and we got divorced. You don't want to speak to your ex-wife, do you? It was in 2016 when Jones published his memoir, Lonely Boy. This is the, I mean, you didn't even need to read all those other articles we read in the first part of this thing, because this one is, this one just sums it up perfectly. In it, he revealed that he was the first member of the band to, ha to have had a sexual relationship with Nora, who Leiden went on to marry. I, I bet that's what really makes, also makes John Leiden so pissed off. Joe, and you could tell that, you know, obviously these guys have exchanged, you know, jabs and barbs with each other. Uh, well, Gordon wrote this whole big thing. Gordon, I'm going to read this in one second. Let me just finish this here and then I'll, I'll get to what you wrote. Um, Jones also said that Leiden was impossibly argumentative and had no singing lesson uh, and had singing lessons arranged by McLaren. It's hardly a complimentary portrait. 
In an interview earlier this year, Lydon was asked what the actor playing him in the TV series was basing his portrayal on. If he was working from the description in Jones's book, Lydon replied, it is not my character. He added, I'm Johnny, you know, and when you interfere with my, we heard this, this quote already in the previous part. Uh, when you interfere with my business, you're going to get the bitter end of my business as a result. It's a disgrace. I fronted this band. I'm the man that wrote the words. I supplied the image and the direction. And doesn't that sound like a guy who's super insecure? I mean, he sounds so insecure. The current legal action has its roots in an argument signed in 1996, which was sparked by Leiden selling his North American publishing rights to music label BMG. The arguments are complicated. The arguments are complicated, but under the agreement, deals to license music for use in adverts or TV shows, say, could be struck even if there was a dissenting minority, in this case, Leiden, who disapproves. See, all of the information we really needed was in this one article. We could have read this one article and succinctly gotten everything that we needed. Leiden, however, said that this uh, arrangement is not valid or enforceable and at point and points out on many occasions in the past just one band member's dissent had been enough to prevent their music from being used for instance Leiden objected to songs being played in an advert for jaguar cars and the deal never went ahead another time the estate of vicious objected to music being used in the skateboarding ever that's hilarious that the estate of, of sid vicious has any kind of say in what the Sex Pistols music does, like where, where it goes. Like, it's hilarious. It's like, oh, because you have one baseline on, on bodies. It's like kind of funny. Um, Matt, Matlock, Matlock declined the use of the hit Anarchy in the UK in the TV show Hell's Kitchen because he was angry with its presenter, Chef Gordon Ramsay, who he claimed had a hand in closing down his favorite Thai restaurant in London's made a veil how about that talk about getting your revenge Leiden himself had objected to the sex pistols music being used in the crown saying that the makers were seeking to create an unhistorical drama and that he would have no part of it the court has heard the rest of the band had however given the go-ahead to the pistols music being used by london by Leiden in a documentary about his subsequent band pil a source said that they felt it was deeply unfair for him to now prevent Jones from realizing this solo project in return. I, I, I can't, I, I really think Johnny Rotten is in the wrong here. I mean, totally in the wrong. Leiden counters that the project was a secret squirrel that he had been excluded from. In his witness statement, Cook said that Leiden can be a difficult character and always feels like, uh, and always likes to feel like he has the control he at that he has control he added maybe steve and i have been too nice to john over the years trying to maintain good relations and that we should have been tougher i am unhappy that he would behave like this over an important personal project for steve particularly as we had always backed his personal projects jones gave evidence from california he was asked by mark cunningham qc representing Leiden about the book called a total dick the barrister asked, your view of him is that he's a total dick, correct? Jones said, yes. Leiden's, intre, intre, I can't pronounce this word, 
Intransignance, intransigence means the band. What does that mean? Intransigence. Let's look that up, shall we? That's what we do here. We look up words and looking up the word yes instead of intransigence. Intransigence. There we go. Uh, and it's not allowing me to. That's so weird. It won't look up that. I want to look up that word. There we go. Let's try it. There we go. Uh, refuse, refusal to change one's views or to agree about something. Well, that's that's a fancy $30 word for that, for saying that thing. Um, means that the band could not only lose out on money offered for the licensing. That's We're talking about 20 million pounds altogether for licensing the song for the TV series, but also potentially a huge sum derived from a massive uptick in record sales for the band. That's right, because every time something like this happens and a band like gets a resurgence of popularity, their sales go up. And so suddenly everybody that's gonna go out and buy Nevermind the Bullocks is not going to if the music doesn't get used and all because of John Lydon. I, I mean, he really is being such a dick here. Um, The, the films Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocketman saw sales of Queens and Elton John's music soar in the former's case by 500%. However, for Leiden, who's about to embark on a tour with PIL and is a veteran of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, it seems that money is unimportant on this occasion. Also, very rich because of his wife, Nora, who is like an, uh, a friggin' uh, royalty of some kind, or, or not, not royalty... Um, just, just has uh, family money. Um, as his former muse, Jordan Mooney said, it boils down to a question of identity. Wait, he is concerned with his legacy and alarmed at the idea of losing control to Cook and Jones and their managers who are also executive producers of the TV show. As his former muse, Jordan Mooney said, it boils down to a question of identity. Probably the rest of the band are more true to themselves. John has got a few issues about his importance in the world. So now him not being involved in the TV show is the best thing that can happen. He would just be a saboteur. She added, John picks and chooses what he wants to, when he wants to be a punk. If it suits him one day, he will be Johnny Rotten. Otherwise he is John Lydon. I, there you go. Nailed it, nailed it. So there you go, guys. I think that gives us the best, the absolute best understanding of the situation and why Johnny Rotten is just a total dick. He really is, dude. He's just being such a dick and denying them millions and millions of pounds in revenue. Uh-oh, somebody's awake. That's my daughter and she's banging on the door. Hold on, coming. We just got to read. Let's read this comment real quick. Um, Gordon Ferry says, in actual fact, when the group went on the lookout for a singer, Vivian Westwood told Malcolm McLaren, that's Vivian is his wife, to look for a guy called John who had a striking look. The guy was, in fact, John Simon Ritchie, better known as Sid Vicious. Yes, we talked about this in part one. It, an incredible, an incredible observation, but true. Jo it was Sid Vicious was supposed to be the original singer of the, of the Sex Pistols, or they wanted Sid Vicious to be. Sid, uh, uh, Sid hang about with a group of guys called the Four Johns, and that's what Chris was talking about—the gang of Johns or whatever the John gang. John Grant, John Get, John Gray, John Wardle, a la Jaw Wobble, John Lydon, and John Sid. 
Malcolm spotted John in the shop. That's why they confused the two Johns. Malcolm spotted John in the shop and recruited him for the group. Shortly after Vivian saw the group with John Wyden and told Malcolm he had gotten the wrong John and that it was supposed to be John Simon Ritchie, a.k.a. Sid Vicious, this was no doubt a source of tension between John and Sid and probably the real reason that Sid uh, later replaced Glenn. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So there you have it, folks. Uh, I had to do that. I had to come back and clarify that John is a real dick because that perfectly explains the beef. And I hear my children banging on the locked door where there's a lot of people living in the house where I'm staying at right now. Uh, so it's very hard to get privacy. Uh, I will be back. Like I said, like, share, subscribe. Please check out the Patreon. Please consider buying a cup of coffee if you enjoy the creation of this content. And as always, like we say, peace.